Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for being here. Welcome home. This is the word of the Lord found in John chapter 16 to help us focus our hearts and minds on what God has for us today. Starting in verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. This was week one, truth eternal. Guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will speak what he has heard in honor of me, Jesus. He will, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but guide, but tell you what he has heard. And this is it right here. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Jesus, you are real, you're good, you love us, and you always lead to peace, God. We ask that you would open our eyes today, that you would soften our hearts, that you would help us pay attention to your presence in this parking lot in Southern California. Jesus, we love you. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, our King. God, as we enter Advent season, we ask that you would just again impress on us who you really are. That you are God and that you came to earth as a baby. And even as a baby, you are the Prince of the Universe. So God, we ask again that you would just continue to work on us and inspire us and challenge us today that we might be more and more like you. And so it's in your son's name that we pray, the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. amen. Welcome home, everybody. It's good to see you. How are you feeling? Everyone is hopefully optimistic on this beautiful December day. Amen. Amen. Last week, you were very polite when you were here. And you were very quiet, okay? And so I know that if we get, I don't know, wh who's the football team everyone likes here? The Packers, right? No? When the Lakers won, what happened? What do we do? We cheer, right? When the Dodgers win, what do we do? Okay, this is what happens when you hear the word of the Lord, okay? We cheer. Come on now, let's go. Who's excited to be at church today? Well, if you don't know me... Um, I'm, the, I'm David. Um, I'm the lead pastor here. I have been the lead pastor here for a whole year now. As this pa There we go. This is, all, this is how I needed to start. I feel it now. A whole year as this past Wednesday was the one-year anniversary of us flying into LAX, making our way from the, the deep south of Mississippi into LAX and then, uh, and then making our way up to La Crescenta. I have this incredible memory of, of getting off the plane and, um, and trying to wrangle our kids and go grab all of our luggage and then wait outside as Pastor Manny pulls up in our much, uh, our desperately needed uh, wash, uh, Subaru Outback that was just filthy from making its way from Wisconsin over here in the middle of winter. And he shows up here with coffee in hand and we just had all the feels, you know? We were just feeling so much because we had just left our life. We had just left everything we've known everything we cared about, everything that we knew for the unknown adventure of possibility here in California. And what 
a year it's been. Who could have ever predicted 2020, right? <laughs> so much change. So many memories, so many incredible moments as God has met us and led us, even in the midst of this crazy season of interruption. And so just thank you for making us feel so welcome. It's been a year. I can't wait to see what happens next as we follow Jesus into 2021. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, okay. As Pastor Jeff said, we are in our final week of our mini-series called Rethink Church, where we're talking through how we'll actually step into this new vision we have as a church community, the vision to follow the way of Jesus for the peace of the city, the shalom, the holistic peace of the place God has us. And, and we've covered a lot over the past three, four weeks. Um, and so if you missed anything, I just want to strongly encourage you to go back and catch up through our live stream. It's on Facebook or YouTube or on the website, whatever is most convenient, because there's so much good content in there. There's so much for, uh, if you have any questions about who we are and where we're going, this is, the, this is the series to start. And so make sure you catch up on that. Because today we're wrapping up this series talking about our third cultural value to support our vision of peace at the city. And we're going to be talking today about the future. Talking about being a church that's future-focused. And, and listen, I love the future. I have always loved the future from, from Star Trek. I, went to, I used to go to Star Trek conventions. Oh, yeah? I did. Don, have you ever been to a Star Trek convention? No. I'm still into Star Trek. To, to science fairs, to hoverboards. Who wanted a hoverboard after seeing Back to the Future 2? Every hand in the room better raise up. Did anyone actually get a hoverboard? No? I think they made them, right, Don? Our resident rocket scientist over here, he's saying, not yet, not yet. But hoverboards to self-lacing shoes, I was so into it, right? I was so into putting myself in a space of anticipation and wonder as I dreamed of what could be. I love the future. And not just, not just focusing on what was realistic or reasonable or practical for today, but rather what was hopeful and what was possible and attainable for tomorrow. This was my, this was my heart early on. I loved the future, but believe it or not, God loves the future even more. God loves the future so much more because God's heart is rooted in the future, and it always has been. I mean, think back to the very beginning, the very beginning. Before anything was, God spoke and he said, and he was outside of time, and God spoke and he said, let there be a future. Let there be light. Let there be earth and sky. Let there be plants and animals. Let there be science and systems to hold it all together. Then finally he says, let there be people. Let there be human beings. Let there be, and so it was. And this is what God did. He never said to himself, outside of time, looking at nothing. He just said, he never said, let's just, let's just park here. The emptiness feels okay to me. No, he, he was always working, always moving, always changing into what was next, always working toward, as Pastor Jeff said, working toward his promises. And that's where we see this in the book of Isaiah chapter 46. And if you're taking notes, write down this reference. Isaiah 46, starting in verse 3. God says to his people, it'll, it'll be on the screen. He said, listen to me. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Verse 8, do not forget this. Keep it in mind. 
Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I alone am God, and there is none like me. But, verse 10, only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. And it wraps with this. I have said what I would do, and I will do it. I have said what I will do, and I will do it. Isn't that incredible? What an incredible encouragement for a time like this. To hear again and again spoken over us through the scriptures. I have cared for you even before you were born. I knew you before you were born. I will be your God from here to heaven. Now don't forget it. I am with you from here to heaven. Remember all the things I have done for you and set your expectations accordingly. Because only I can tell you the future. Everything I plan will come to pass. I have said what I will do and I will do it. And this, friends, this is the very core of who our God is. This is at the very core of who he is. He is future focused because everything God does is working toward fulfilling his plan in place. Everything he does is working to fulfill his promises and God always keeps his promises. I'm not sure who needs to hear that today, but God always keeps his promises. And yes, God honors what is. God honors the present, and he, and he looks back, and he values the past or what was, but he is always, without question, moving forward toward what will be. Always. There has never been a time where, where God looked back at what he made, at you and at me, or all of human history. There's never a time where he looked back and said it was good enough. There was never a time. No, he's always working, refining, drawing us closer, working to bring us more into his image. He's always working until his promises come true, until his future is here, until everything he plans comes to pass. I have said what I will do, and I will do it. So listen, if there's, if there's a thing for you to wrap your head around early in this message today, let it be this. Our God is never stationary. And his kingdom is never static. Even with millennia of good old days, working in and through his people, God still says the best is yet to come for those willing to surrender their lives to his way. The best is yet to come. And this is the priority that I think God is speaking over us as a church, as we follow Jesus for the peace of the city. This is, this is the culture he is calling us into, to see beyond the literal of what's in front of us and, and to start to dream about what's possible with him again. Because this is where he is. This is where he is leading us to go and where he's calling us to be. A church that is future-focused. Because he is future-focused. But, but how? How can, we, how can we get to be a church that dreams beyond what is? How can we begin to step into a life of faith and obedience without simultaneously feeling disloyal to what he has already done? This is super hard for me. And so this is the question. How can we, as people that value what was, for all the sentimental folks in the house, how can we step into a life valuing the future without 
feeling disloyal to what he has already done because God has done some amazing things. God has done some incredible things. He has carried us, like Isaiah 46 says. He has carried us and moved in us in deeply personal ways that left us changed. God has met us in this space for 60 years and as a church for 75 years through all sorts of seasons and songs and programs and pastors, all of which helped form our faith all of which helped form our families and our feelings. So how can we make a shift to live for the future when the past carries so much power? How can we begin to move beyond nostalgia while still loving tradition? Maybe best for last, how can we, you and me, how can we, how can we break free from being cemented to the past while also feeling like this is still home? It's tough. Well, that's what I'm hoping to discover today with the rest of our time. How can we not get cemented to the past, but still feel like this is home? So if you have your Bibles, follow me to the book of Joshua, chapter 4. Joshua 4. And if you're kind of new to the church, Joshua is the sixth book of your Bibles, pretty early on in the story of God's in the Old Testament. And it picks up, Joshua 4, it picks up shortly after what is typically seen as the key Super Bowl moment for the story uh, of the people of Israel, God's people. And it was this moment called the Exodus, where God, he calls out this man named Moses and said, essentially, that the future salvation of my people, the future salvation of my people starts here and now. I made a commitment, I made a promise, and I will keep it through your faith. So go and rescue Israel from Egypt and lead them to the land that I have promised them. So Moses, who has his own backstory, he, he reluctantly, but with God's authority, embarks on the crazy, craziest, most miraculous rescue mission in history, right? He, he eventually leads Israel out of Egypt with God's power. He splits the Red Sea. He, he pioneers through the wilderness for 40 years before finally arriving on the shore of their destiny, on the shore of the River Jordan. And it's there that God retires Moses, that God retires Moses after 40 years and all the miracles, all the moments, all the growth, God retires him and ushers in a new season of leadership for the people of Israel named Joshua. Joshua, no pressure, Joshua. But Joshua, he steps up with courage and he leads Israel. He parts the river just like Moses with God's power, parts the Jordan River and all of God's people cross into the future that God had promised them, into this promised land. And that's where this story picks up in Joshua 4. It's a bit of a, a long text, but stick with me. Starting in verse 1, it says, When all the people, all of Israel, who had just been rescued from Egypt through the Exodus, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe, Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at a place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord, your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 6. We will use these stones to build a memorial 
In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Jump down to verse 20. It was there at Gilgal, just beyond the shore of the Jordan, that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the river. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were across, just as he did the Red Sea when he dried it up until we all had crossed over. This is the end. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. Thanks for sticking with me. Here we go. Put yourself there in this scene for a moment. Put yourself there for just a minute with all that they'd experienced, right? They had just crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground after wandering for 40 years, and they parked in this place called Gilgal. Now, these people, they now occupy, and I say this a lot, but it's important. These people now occupy the future that God promised their heroes, Moses and Abraham. These people were now living in the future promised by God. Yeah, it took longer than expected. It took longer than expected, but they had arrived. They made it, and now they're living in this promised land. And first things first, they build a memorial, just like God said, with the 12 stones from the river. And then it says they set up their mobile sanctuary. They set up their church. And, uh, and so they could gather and bring their sacrifice to God and worship there at Gilgal. It was amazing. So God did all this stuff. God being God did everything to keep his promise. They arrived in the future. They built a memorial so the world in the present would know what God did in the past. It was just absolutely amazing. And if this was like a Hallmark movie, right? This would be, this would be kind of the closing credits. Like the, does anyone watch the Hallmark movies? I, I, I love the Hallmark movies. In fact, this past week, um, we were looking around, so we used to get, this is a tangent, you can park everything you just heard for just a moment, okay? So, so we use YouTube TV, does anyone, anyway, it's not, it's not on YouTube TV, Hallmark, the Hallmark channel, and so we were looking everywhere for the Hallmark movies, because for Christmas, I just like post Thanksgiving till really like probably Valentine's Day, I'm just obsessed with these movies. But the whole, the whole idea of these movies is that like there's all this buildup, all this story, and then they reach this climactic moment and they kiss, and then the movie is over, okay? There's like no follow through. You don't know anything that happens after the fact, okay? So that's kind of what I picture happening here. If this was a Hallmark movie, all the buildup just happened. They got to their place, right? And all of a sudden, the, the camera starts to pan out, and it fades to black, and the credits roll, right? But, but, but that is not what we see. That is not what we see. And that's because the story isn't over until the promise is fulfilled. See, from there, as the story continues, the story goes into Joshua 5, and we see Israel go and explore the land. It wasn't good enough to park on the shore of the river. They wanted to continue to explore the land they now called home. So from Jericho to Bethel and beyond, they kept moving. And they went on these amazing adventures with God. 
Amazing adventures with God in their promised future. All the while, they would return back to Gilgal to worship God because that's where the tabernacle was. And the tabernacle was there because that's where God met them and God saved them and brought them into this new place. And so they, they would go out and they would explore and then they would come home and worship back to Gilgal. And, and they would go out and they would experience God and meet God out and see him move in amazing ways. And then they would come back home and they would worship God for what he had done. And I think for most of us, if we look at this pattern, we would say that this is being faithful. That God moved, so they remembered, they came back, and they thanked God. God moved, they remembered, they went back, and they thanked God. Kind of sounds like church, right? That's what we do here every Sunday morning. God saved us, so we built this memorial, right? God saved us, amen? And he built this, we built this memorial, a place to remember what God did. And now we keep coming back. We go out, we live, we come back, and we thank God. We keep coming back to remember and worship in ways that feel meaningful and reverent and significant. And we do it because we don't want to forget. We never want to forget. Which is exactly what we see in Joshua as as it continues in in this story. Again, where the movie could have predictably ended, they go on, they live, they come back, they worship. They go on, they live, they come back, and they worship. But then... Something kind of something interesting happens in the story. And it could be kind of easy to miss. And so I just want to point this out, starting in chapter 18, verse 1. So they have been living now for 14 chapters. A lot has happened. They would go out, they would come back, they would worship. But now we see this in chapter 18, verse 1. It says, Now that the land was under Israelite control, the entire community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. Say that one more time. Now that the land was under Israelite control, the entire community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. What does this mean? It it means that they moved the church. It means that they moved the church. The memorial for what God did stayed in Gilgal as they moved the future of the church to Shiloh. But how could they do that, right? Right? How could they leave behind the place that God met them and saved them? How could they leave the place that God brought them into the future? Well, it's because, friends, it's because that they saw the future promised to Moses. They saw that the future that they were saved to live in, the future that they dreamed of, they were now living in it, but it was becoming the present. And it would soon become the past. The future they occupied was the present And it was soon to be the past. And they didn't want their living memorial to what God did to become a dying monument when God was still doing more. They didn't want the living memorial for what God had done to become a dying monument when they knew that God was doing more and moving forward and leading them into what's next. And so they said goodbye to what was good. It's hard to say goodbye to what's good. They said goodbye to what was good. Always remembering that the memorial was there, but they said goodbye to what was good so they could say hello to what will be great with God. So, okay, church moved. Church moved, right? We we moved once across the street. Church moved from Gilgal up to Shiloh. Crazy. But again, the story wasn't over. Credits have not rolled. 
the promise was not fulfilled. God was not finished. So eventually the church, it makes its way from Shiloh over to Jerusalem. Then fast forward, it gets sent out into exile before coming back into Jerusalem. And then Jesus, he shows up, right? And, and, he, and he shakes everything up because God is always moving forward. God is always moving forward to fulfill his promises. And so what was once defined by the church, God's people, what was once defined by a tent and a tabernacle and a temple moving from city to city, now, because of the work of Jesus, and this is what we heard in our opening scripture from John 16, because of the work of Jesus, the church is, is home now wherever God's Holy Spirit resides. Wherever the Spirit is, there the church will be. And listen, I need you to hear me say this because I've had a number of people over the last year talk to me about what church is and what church isn't. I don't know if you have any opinions about this, but, but when we first, when COVID first struck and we like, we, we were isolating and we were like doing online services, I heard from people like, hey, good job, that just ain't church. And then, and then when we started up our midweek service out here, right, so we could be together and pray and worship, I, I heard from some people like, hey, good for you, but that's not church. And then when we opened up outside in this parking lot, the same parking lot that was occupied 60, uh, 60 years ago when this church was being built by this church for worship, I heard, hey, listen, I'm glad that you're meeting outside, but that's not church. And when we told people that we were going to meet outside for this beautiful Christmas Eve gathering, what the first thing I heard was, that's not church. That's not church. But let me tell you the truth in love. While something might not be your preferred expression of church, your preferences don't define what church is. It doesn't. God is very specific about this. The church is where the Holy Spirit resides. It is there. Yeah, if there is one prerequisite about what church is, it's that the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that Jesus said in John 16 would come and lead us and tell us about the future. Well, friends, this is the future. We are living in the future that Jesus promised would come. We are, all of us, in the future of faith from those who came before across countless generations, from the garden to Abraham to Moses to, to Joshua to the prophets to Jesus to the apostles. Through thousands of years of church history, we are all here today living in the wake of someone else's faith. We are all sitting in the seat of someone else's sacrifice, someone else's courage, someone else's vision and dreams. People who dreamed about today 75 years ago. And they believed what could be was worth their life. Because it's not about the memorials we make or the monuments we build. It's about the movement of God remembered. The movement of God remembered. And this is our history here at this church. It's our past, but it must also become our legacy. It is our history, but it must become our legacy that we must be a church that is future focused. That we don't get too cemented into what was good, that we miss out on what God is going to do that is great. Yeah. 
So back to the beginning, how can we do this? How can we step into a timeless life of faith and obedience to God's future without feeling disloyal to what he has already done? I've got four quick things for you, and I have to make them quick because we're running out of time. But How can we begin to live for the future? Four things. First, pay attention. Say that with me. Pay attention. Good. Second step is one step at a time. Third, remember well. And fourth is keep dreaming. Pay attention. One step at a time. Remember well and keep dreaming. Starting with pay attention. If we want to step into this new way with Jesus, this value that God has called his church to, then we need to pay attention to what God is doing now, not just what he did before. We need to be paying attention to what God is saying and calling us to today, not just what he said yesterday. Because again, God is always moving forward. God is always moving forward, and so our vision has to be on him. Joshua, he crushed this, right? Because it would have been so easy to arrive into the promise and set up camp and just stay there forever. It would have been so easy to plant roots and get comfortable kind of on the edge of what God did, at the beginning of what God had done for them. They had already seen so much, right? They had already seen so much to inspire them for generations, so why not just call it enough? Because God was always moving forward. God was not done. And he's inviting his people to follow. So God, he called Joshua into freedom. And so Joshua went. And then then he called Joshua to to, to cross the Jordan. And so Joshua went. And then he called Joshua to leave Gilgal and go up to Shiloh. And so he went. And it was all because he was paying attention to what God was doing and where God was leading. And this is number one. We have to see that God isn't finished moving and believe that God isn't finished speaking. We need to pay attention. We need to pay attention. And then this comes next. We need to take one step at a time. Just one, one step of faith at a time. And I think a lot of us, at least for me, when, when, when I think about the future, I want to be able to make plans. Anyone else love their calendar? I love my calendar. I like to be able to make plans strategically for what comes next because I want to know the finish line. I want to know the finish line so I know the chart to course to get there so so I can eventually arrive. But hear me when I say the only destination that God promises us is the promise of his presence. And that's it. All all he's calling us to is one step at a time as we follow Jesus in his way. And, And we don't know where this is going to take us. We don't know where we're going to go. I had no idea that one step at a time would lead me here to you in Southern California, never in a million years would I have ever expected a future to look like this. And yet here we are a year later. And I need you to know that God did some amazing things where we were. He did. We saw young people coming back to church. We saw folks getting saved. We saw people entering recovery communities. We saw marriages restored. We saw folks getting baptized every year. It was an amazing thing that God did, but that was not our destination. That was not my promised land. It was just one point of many in our story of faith and obedience. Just like today, where we find ourselves today, God has done so much here. God has done so much good. But this is not the end of our story. We have not arrived in the promise. It's just the beginning for you and for me.
Why? Because God is still moving. If you're not dead, you're not done. So from here to heaven, you hear me? From here to heaven, the expectation is one step at a time. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus one step at a time. Just one step at a time. You don't have to know the next mile, just the next step. One step at a time. That brings us to number three. If we want to keep moving faithfully toward what God has for us, we need to remember well what God has already done. Just like Israel, right, coming off these incredible moments with God, we have to create memorials. We do. We have to create memorials that help remind us that God, if, if God has brought us this far, he'll be faithful to finish what he started. We need to have those, those markers that look behind, that we, when we look behind us, we, we need to have those markers that help us understand that we're still making the same course. Remembering is vital. The memorials we make, they help keep us focused as long as they don't become monuments to the past, right? Remembering is vital to the future as long as you're not always looking back. Because have you ever tried to uh, walk forward while looking backwards? How, how does it go, Jeff? Goes pretty well? No, we run into stuff all the time, right? We need to be able to remember what God has done, but we can't spend the rest of our lives looking back while walking forward. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus one step at a time. So we need to remember, and I know this might sound harsh, but please understand me when I say, God will never lead you back to where you've been. He'll never lead you back to the place you were. He only sends, he only leads us into the future. He only leads us forward. This life of faith is linear. It's always moving forward. No going back. No do-overs. God God doesn't want you to return to your old life. God does not want you to return to your old life and what you did before, just like he doesn't want you to expect him to do what he did before. No, God is always committed to doing a new thing, and that's what the future is all about. I think sometimes... In my own heart, I think sometimes the future is just about the young. When I think about what's next, I'm always picturing like, all right, sweet, so what is my boy going to do? What's my little girl going to do? But listen, there is no retirement age in the future with God. It's not just about the youth. In fact, within the story of Joshua, there was a man named Caleb. I don't know if you know the story or not, but Caleb, he was a part of the exodus, He saw God move in such huge ways, and now here he is. He's 85 years old as he crosses the river into the promised land. He's 85, and what does he do? He he settles in, picks up fishing, right? No, he does not. No way. Caleb keeps dreaming, and this is number four if you're taking notes. He keeps dreaming bigger, not about what God has done, but about what God might do next. Unreal, 85, just getting started. He actually goes back to Joshua in chapter 14, and he says, listen, I know you're handing out land in this promised area, but, but listen, please don't assign me the simple life. He's 85. Please don't assign me the easy place to live. No, Caleb says, I want the highlands. I want to pioneer the hill country because I know that God is there and that God is moving, and I want to be a part of the dream of what God does next. And this is Caleb. 85 years old, always moving forward. Always dreaming bigger about the future on God's behalf. Who wants to start dreaming on God's behalf? Amen. And this is it. This is how we as a community can live future-focused.
It's seeing where God is. It's following one step at a time. It's remembering well what God has done before, but always dreaming about what he might do next. This is living future-focused. It's seeing beyond the literal and into what's possible with the power of God's Holy Spirit as we surrender everything, everything in us before God, believing his best is yet to come. Because I know that 2020 might make it hard to believe, but, but the best is yet to come. God's promise has not been completed, and so the best is still coming. Do you believe it? I asked you a year ago, October 27, 2019. Feels like a different world, doesn't it? I asked you a year ago, are you willing to do what it takes to bring your grandkids back to church? And there was this overwhelming yes, right? Your kids, your grandkids, your friends, are you willing to do what it takes? But listen, I think I was aiming a bit low. Because what I'm, what I'm really asking you is, are you willing to do what it takes to build a future foundation of faith that will echo into eternity? Are you willing to surrender what God did before in you and around you and in people that you know? Are you willing to surrender what God did before for what God is doing today and tomorrow and 20 years from now? Because this is where he is calling us to go into a future where he is But it's important we understand the future doesn't start there. It starts here with us, all of us, but it's not for us. The future is for those yet to come. Just like all of us have inherited the faith from those who came before, now it's our turn. It's our turn to sacrifice and prepare a place for who's coming next. So what do you say? Will you move with God? Will you move with God? And, I, and I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about moving across the street. I'm not talking about moving down here or back up there. I'm not talking about updating a sanctuary or changing pews for chairs. I'm not talking about any of that. Those are just tools and traditions. They aren't the priority. I want to know if you are ready to change you, to update what you believe is possible to remember but not get stuck. I want to know if you are ready to hear from God and move one step, just one step at a time. Because this is the only future of faith that lays before us. It is. This is the way of Jesus. There is no other. Let us us follow him because God will be faithful. God will be faithful to lead us. God will be faithful to give us what we need. Isaiah chapter 46. God will be faithful to carry us forward if we are just faithful to say yes. If we're faithful to say yes, God will do it if we just lay everything down before him. In fact, he already is doing it. If we would just pay attention. God is moving. God is good. And he always leads to peace. He is working if we would just take one step at a time in his direction. If we would just remember what he did for reference, but keep dreaming for direction. As we work for peace in this city. A lot has changed in a year. So what do we believe God can do 
in 2021? That is, that is the question that I need you to be processing as we, as we kind of wrap up this series, wrap up the service, jump into Advent. What is it that God can do with us, through us, with our faith, as we commit to the future with him? I remember we talked about this back in January, almost a year ago. And we were saying, is it, I mean, is the dream like two services? Could you think we could do two services? But I think right now the dream for me is just being inside, okay? (laughs) But what do we believe God can do? What do you believe God can do with your life? If you're eight years old or 88 years old, what can God do with your life if you commit to the future with him? All things are possible. And God wants to use you. I don't care where you've been, what you know, what you don't, what you've seen, what you haven't. God wants to use you to draw the unbelieving world back to himself. He wants to use you in ways that you could never imagine. But even more than that, he wants to equip you and give you the power to do it. And that's that encouragement we see one more time from Isaiah chapter 46. It'll be on the screen. And the band, if you want to come on up, you're going to lead us in a time of worship to close, but I just want to leave you with this one more time from Isaiah chapter 46 as an encouragement, as a reminder that God will do what he will do, but he wants to use you. He wants to use all of us in the future that he is building. So Isaiah 46 says this, listen to me. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Don't forget it. Keep it in mind. Remember the things I have done before in the past. For I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. But this is it. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. I have said what I would do, and I will do it. God makes a promise, and God keeps it. And God's ultimate promise is not fulfilled yet. The best is yet to come. His future is bright, and and we are along for the ride. If we would just be a church of truth eternal, a truth that honors always, and a a church that is future-focused, we just walk one step at a time. Hmm. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God speaks to you during this closing time of worship and that God just uh, opens your eyes and, and softens your heart to his presence and, and helps you understand maybe for the first time what's really possible when we put our faith in him. So let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. We're so grateful for who you are and your promises. God, we we acknowledge today that you are sovereign over all creation, that you are the boss. You are in charge of all things. There is no one above you, God. And God, you make a promise to us that one day all things will be made new. You've given us a promise that one day all the pain, all the brokenness, all the sickness, all the hurting, everything will be made new and we will live in your promise forever. And this is the guarantee that you have given us for the end. And so, God, until that day, 
we know the best is still to come because the best is eternity with you. And so God, in this moment, we ask that you would give us courage to step into this new way, that you would, that you would give us vision to be future focused with you. God, that we would honor the past. We would recognize all the amazing things you have done. But God, that we would commit our entire future uh, to, to walk with you into what's next. God, we ask that you would just speak to us now and give us a glimpse of what could be with the power of your spirit. So God, we believe that you're real, that you're good. You love us and you always lead to peace. God, we ask that you would just open our eyes and give us courage to take one step at a time. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray, the name above all names. What a beautiful name it is.